This is Up for Debate Presents Shaken, Not Stirred, Six Decades of James Bond in Film. Tonight, episode number 140, recorded March 13th, 2019. Chapter 1, Sean Connery in Dr. Goldfinger with Love. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Thank you. But I think my mouth is too big. No, it's the right size. For me, that is. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this fantastically special episode of Up for Debate presents I am Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by our own, uh, I guess he's 008, it's Mr. Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. <laughs> Hello, Sean. How's it going today? Jennings? Sean Shen- Sean Shennings? No. John Shennings. It's a mouthful, no matter how you slice it. <laughs> uh, it's great, Matt, not just because we're here talking uh, a new Up for Debate presents series, you and I are here doing another episode, but... An exceedingly rare event. I think a, I think a, a solar eclipse is more common than us having a guest on this show. Um, to yes. be honest, I don't think we've ever had a guest on a regular format episode in the history of the show. Because we've had guests on when we did D&D, which you'll know this guy from. We had guests on for the trivia challenge and the movie drafts, but never just on like a regular ass top. No, that's not true. We had Phil on to talk about moving ones. Ignore me talking about that. Let's just bring him in here. You know him from such shows as Don't Panic, uh, Game Nights, uh, our own trivia challenge here on the show, which he won a, a few years ago. Um, and from the mean streets of Titletown, it is Colby Rabideau. What's Titletown? Boston. That's because oh, really? they win so many sports titles. That's they what call it Titletown. Now. Oh, I, I see. <laughs> that was not always the case. It it sounds who? a lot better than Beantown. Well, I was gonna uh, say Beantown, and I'm like, that's too easy. I gotta make it. <laughs> gotta make it work for it. Streets of Beantown. Mean streets of Beantown. That sounds like a kid's book. Oh boy. Uh, actually, fun fact: I'm in Somerville right now, which is where marshmallow fluff was invented. Hey, oh. textbook definition of a fun fact. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, thanks yes. for being here, Colby. This is gonna be a real treat for us to go through our topic tonight. And Matt, this topic was your idea. You want to pick this. We we wrapped up a couple months ago, our Up for Debate Presents on the XFL, which you haven't listened to that. I highly recommend you do six parts there. Wonderful series. It was a lot of fun getting in-depth on a topic, which we don't often do on this show. Matt, what will be our topic for this Up for Debate Presents and why? Um, we are going to be starting a kind of a, another mini-series uh, similar to our, our wonderful award-winning, or award-acclaimed, xfl series um that we did previously um we're going to be talking about the james bond movies uh and uh we're just going to kind of go through each um each bond major bond actor and uh kind of analyze their movies and and um and and talk a little bit about them i think the idea really came to me when i was watching a uh another another popular podcast um do a playthrough of the 007 GoldenEye for the N64. Uh, I just thought, you know, what if what if we could go back and and kind of rewatch and revisit all of the Bond movies that that uh, we both enjoyed. Um, now, Sean, you uh, you have never seen these movies, correct? Like you you 
you kind of watched them for the, for the first time for the most part. I would had you say, seen any Bond movies? Well, what is there? There's 24 films, and I would say end to end, I had seen maybe four. Okay. And and none, I'd seen no Connerys, no more. It was all like one or two Brosnans and one or two Craigs. So this was purely just like a fun, a fun idea. I thought it would just be a lot of fun to to delve in and analyze these uh these these films for for a purpose of a mini series. Now you were. You were kind enough, Sean, to send me this book. Oh boy, um, did I? That I have actually almost—I'm almost done reading now. Some, some kind of hero. It just goes by, to show there's a book on anything. If you're looking yeah. for a topic, they've written a book about it. Written all about the Bond films. This is actually a really good read. I highly recommend. It's very detailed. Um, I've been, yeah, I've been been very, very uh, diligently studying it, um, and it is a quick read. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot like the, um, the XFL book that we chose, uh, when we did that mini series. So this one has been a, um, it's been a, a pretty good guide through this, this James Bond, uh, adventure. Um, and, uh, I do recommend it. Yeah. Some kind of hero, uh, the remarkable story of the James Bond films written by Matthew Field and AJ Chowdhury. It's great. So, it's a wonderful mm-hmm. book. Uh, Matt, we're fortunate enough to be joined, as I mentioned, by Colby Rabideau. Uh Colby, why are you here? Um, <laughs> so, interestingly enough, I had seen many of the James Bond movies, like, sort of on accident. When I was, like, 12, we went on a family vacation uh, to Bermuda for, for like, Chris, around Christmas time. And it, like, one, I got sick on the way there. Like, I acquired a cold, like, on the plane so i felt terrible the whole time and it also rained for like three full days and on the now defunct spike tv they they used to run like christmas james bond marathons and so (laughs) we watched a lot of james bond uh on that vacation so i saw a bunch of the old ones um and so I've seen them before and like rewatching them now as a, as an adult, like, I don't know, 15 years later or something is is pretty interesting. There are things that did not phase me as a child that totally phase me now. Um, but yeah. Good. Well, we're thrilled to have your expertise. A trip to Bermuda is, is like the perfect time to uh, watch Bond movies, just given the, the context of of. Uh, you know the backstory with Ian Fleming, so that's, oh, really? that's really cool. What's yeah, the, what's the backstory? So Ian Fleming, um, I guess we'll get right into it. the The original author of the Bond movies was a British, an actual British spy. He was a, a legit British spy for um, uh, for for the the Queen for Britain during World War Two. Um. He owned a, a a large estate on Jamaica, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamaica um called the the estate was named Goldeneye. That was the name of his of his large estate, Goldeneye. Um and he started writing basically he 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 while he was in the war, he came up with the idea to write about his experiences. He he said to himself, you know, if I if I live through this, if I live through all these crazy, you know, espionage um experiences, and I don't get killed, I'm going to write my own accounts of it. I'm going to write my story. 
And, uh, he, you know, lo and behold, he lives through World War II and he decides to write down a lot of his experiences. Um, but he doesn't want it to be a biography. He, he thinks that biographies are kind of boring and dry. So he, he wants to make it like a like a spicy action book that people can just pick up and kind of read. So he invents this character named James Bond, uh, the title of which he takes from a um, – do you know, Sean? Do you know the, the, where he gets this title from? Oh, boy. I rem- – oh, boy. I knew this, and then I immediately forgot Sorry. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. But the book is called Birds of the West Indies, and uh, it's a book that Ian Fleming routinely would consult while he's living in the Bahamas, in in, uh, in Jamaica, rather. Um, and it's written by a man named James Bond. And he thinks he sees the title of the book, the cover of the book, Birds of the West Indies by James Bond. And he thinks that James Bond is just bland enough <laughs> to give as a, a, a name for his really exciting, sexy spy character. Um, he said he, he, he specifically mentions in an interview that he really wanted to choose a bland as hell name to give his exciting character because he believes that the the character has to speak for himself here. Like he's got to have like a boring name, but be like the most badass guy. So the lo and behold, James Bond is born. So, hmm. so yeah, flight to the Bahamas, vacation to the Bahamas, the perfect, uh, perfect element to get acquainted with the bond universe. Yeah, it was Bermuda, but you know, close enough. Mm. The, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I read one of Ian Fleming's James Bond books at one point, but I genuinely don't remember it. Yeah, we may have to wrap up the series with a book club episode on one of them, of course, Casino Royale, the first one published by Ian Fleming in 1953. Um, mm. But interestingly enough, due to a complicated rights issue, not the first film that was shot. Um, they wanted it to be. But not to get into too much detail, but they sold the rights to some of the books and not the others. And it just meant that they had to start with Dr. No uh, premiering in 1962. Uh, The film rights eventually owned by Harry Stoltzman and Albert Albert R. Broccoli, um, which you'll see at the beginning of all the movies. You'll see, uh, you know, a a Harry Stoltzman and Albert R. Broccoli film, Um, a couple of interesting guys. And uh, they acquired the rights to make these movies. And their plan was, at least through the 60s, to pump out a film every year. Um, they wanted to, the plan was always to make a ton of these. It was not just to do one. They even signed Sean Connery to a long-term contract to star in, uh, a number of these films back to back to back, starting with Dr. Now. Wow. Uh, is, uh, Mr. Broccoli also the, uh, inventor of Broccoli? One would assume. No, that was his brother, Alfonso. <laughs> Alfonso Broccoli. Part of the Broccoli, that's where the Broccoli family gets all their money. Mm, I see. They invested I see. in James so that's Bond a, that's films. what financed the James Bond movie. Yes, the Broccoli <laughs> Empire. Big Broccoli. Yes. Until <laughs> it was stolen by his his cousin, his evil cousin, Alfredo. Alfredo. <laughs> Alfredo, yes. Oh boy. Yes. Um I'm I'm sure when we get to when we talk about Thunderball, which won't be today, right? We'll go well, next episode. That's kind of where a lot of the legal disputes, I guess, came to a head a little bit mm-hmm. um around the time they made that movie. Um yep. so there's a little foreshadowing there. But um but yeah, um should we should we jump into it? Should we what? jump into our thoughts on uh 
on these movies, these yeah. Bond movies. Yeah, let's start with, uh, we can do them in order. We can start with Dr. No here, um, produced on just a $1 million budget, small for the time, not a lot of money. It shows on the screen, I would argue, certainly more so than the later ones. Um, from Russia with Love, doubled the budget to $2 million. And then by the time you get to uh, Goldfinger, they know they have a hit on their hands. They get $3 million. And um, Thunderball really, obviously we won't talk about tonight, but that takes it to a $9 million budget. So they keep getting more expensive as time goes on. But Doctor No, certainly a bare bones film in terms of the production itself. Yeah, you can actually, you can kind of see this in that um, there's no fancy gadgets uh, it's where Bond gets his first um, signature weapon, the Walter PPK or Walter mm. PP7, depending on the the movie. But um, it, it, you don't really have a whole lot of like fancy. There's no there's no like laser watch or uh, underwater camera or things like that that you see in future films. This was really just kind of kind of his at his attaché his attaché case his suitcase is pretty much the most sophisticated technology that he has well and a lot of that comes from um the directors interestingly enough uh two directors up for the first film they end up going with terrence young uh who directed dr no from russia with love skipped goldfinger and then uh directed thunderball um the films he's best known for but when guy hamilton comes on board in goldfinger you'll notice that's the first film you see a lot of the signature james bond things like the gadgets like the theme song, like the sort of, it's more humorous than the first two films, a lot more quips in that film, um, bringing a lighter style. That comes from director Guy Hamilton, um, who went on to direct four total James Bond films. Yeah, something that, that, I, that I wrote down about Terrence Young that I have in my notes is that uh, Terrence Young kind of taught Sean Connery how to be Bond. I mean, we think of Sean Connery, he's, he's pretty much synonymous with the role today i mean since since i was born since before i was born sean connery is like the one you think of when you think of james bond but it was actually um the producers had some reservations about sean connery being bond in the beginning they they kind of thought he was this country almost this country bumpkin which is surprising to us <laughs> but you know being a scotsman it was it was like uh Ian Fleming had this vision of Bond that the producers were not so sure Connery would be able to pull off being being a Scotsman um, and being um, less less than refined. I mean, Connery was a boxer and a model before he became a um, before he became like a tried and true actor. So uh, uh, it was Terrence Young kind of sat him down and really kind of coached him into like how to how Bond should act, how he behaves and. And Connery, like, you know, took obviously took to this like a fish takes to water and uh, and really ran with it. But it was Terrence Young that that had to sit him down first and give him that bit of bit of coaching. Well, and, and what's interesting is uh, Roger Moore actually was considered for the original Bond before Dr. No, and the uh, film's producers thought he was too boring. They didn't think he was interesting <laughs> enough. That was the issue with a lot of these actors. They were looking for kind of that square jawed classically british guy and they just came off as bland there was no pop or flavor to them and after watching these films you can see i mean sean connery chewing some scenery i mean he's selling the crap out of these lines these extremely cheesy one-liners that increases the films go on um he's he's giving it his all oh i want to skip ahead a little bit really sure. quick and speaking of one-liners i want to talk about the the first ever james bond one-liner okay that, um i i i i i like pause the movie and I was like, okay, this is, this is like when Bond becomes Bond. 
first ever Bond one-liner. It's when he drives up with the car, like the top-down car, uh, to the hotel, and that guy had just taken the cyanide pill and dies, and he's in the back seat, and he tosses the keys to the hotel manager, and he says to him, Sergeant, make sure he doesn't get away. <laughs> and that's that's got to be the first Bond, like, Bondish moment. It's so, great. Yeah. First one-liner. It's true. The... I loved the like the opening scene of um like the opening sequence of Dr. No with the the like the three blind guys like like yeah. bopping down yeah. the road and then uh you know it cuts to whatever the 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 British dudes like playing cards and then like Dan ends up the three blind guys are assassins and they kill him. That was crazy. <laughs> that gets me every time. Um I was I found that unlike the the rest of the movie that was like a genuinely like surprising like like uh I don't know fun fun to watch thing. Yeah, that's and that's one of the signature James Bond movie elements is starting with an with a kind of action sequence and that's they continued that in from Russia with Love. I I loved the opening bit um where they're doing the training, the Spectre training and it looks like they kill Bond. And then they take the mask off and it's not Bond. And I actually got, of course, you know, like, especially now in 2019, they make 20 plus of these movies. They're not going to kill Bond in the second one. But you're like, for a second, I'm like, it, it looks like Bond. I mean, you have no way of knowing. And it turns out it's, and I, I did write this down, the location, the place I'm taking uh, my vacation this year, Spectre Island, Ooh, which Spectre I just love the name of. I said Spectre <laughs> Island. Mario Party 2 map. Spectre yes, exactly. Island. Um, no, I mean, you know, the, these films take place at a different time. You got to remember, and I made a note of this in Dr. No, the very first time you see James Bond on screen, he has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he's playing Baccarat, which is like, okay, I'm on board. You've sold me. Like, this is the most 60s thing I've ever seen. It's, it's pretty amazing. I always like the really sophisticated card games that Bond always played. Like it was never a game that you've heard of. It was always it was never like blackjack or or, or like gin rummy. It was always baccarat or or um what's the other one? Banco or like yeah, there's like the exotic always, stuff. All these like really exotic like sounding card games that you have to look up on Wikipedia to find the rules for. It was it was never they were never playing like war or something like. Um, and that was always really cool about the uh, the Bond the Bond franchise. Just uh, sophisticated as hell card games. Well, and, and not not yeah. not to get too and this is getting way far ahead. But uh, I freaking I hated the poker in Casino Royale. We'll get there, but that is some weak stuff. <laughs> Preview for about thirty imagine? weeks from now when we get, eventually that get to that. I don't know. Have they ever spoofed that, like on Austin Powers or something, where it's like they're, they're like it's like they're playing Go Fish or something? Like they're at a casino <laughs> and they're all sitting around a casino table playing Go Fish. They should have. Be, yeah, it's like Bond is just like, do you have any sevens? And he's constantly I, I gambling. Can see that he gambles yeah. on golf and Goldfinger. You know, he's got yeah. a he's got a personality problem. A little bit, but I mean, when he gambles about things like that, it's, it's, well, it's part he, of the plan. Like he, he knew, yeah, and he knew what was going on. He was that was more of a psychology game that he played against Goldfinger, which is an element that you kind of see throughout the film. We'll talk about that, uh, I guess, when we when we get there. But um, 
Um, I, I wrote down also, in, in addition to the first one-liner and the introduction of the Walter PPK, it gives us the first introduction to M, mm-hmm. characters M, and um, the, the character that would eventually be Q, although I don't think they call him Q in this movie. No. He's just kind of like a tech guy. And he's played by uh, a different actor in the first yes, film. Yes, he's not played by Desmond Lewin, who would, who would play him for... Ever. Most of the Bond movies, yeah, up yeah. until I think the world is not en- no, yeah, the world is not enough. I think was his last. Yeah, he movie. didn't make it to Craig. Yes, um, and he tragically passed away shortly after they filmed. Uh, I think it was Lord, World is Not Enough. I think that, I believe that was his last movie. I, I would probably be comfortable saying that. But um, so it's the first for all those things. But and and it was very low tech. Doctor No is extremely low tech um, with the gadgetry. Uh, but it does have a lot of spy elements. I love in it. it. I love that it. That a lot of the Bond movies lack, especially the more modern Bond oh, movies. Yeah. For example, I wrote down here that um, there's the scene where Bond covers his his suitcase with talcum powder, and he puts like a hair. He takes like a hair from his head and he puts it in the door. And you know, like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, why is he doing this weird stuff? And then it, it's, it's revealed later on, like in a later scene, that he did that. The hair is so he could see if anybody broke into his room without him knowing because the hair wouldn't be in the doorway. And the talcum powder on the suitcase is to see if anybody, like, touched his suitcase. So I'm like that, – and that's, like, real legit spy stuff. And I, I put um, – I, I guess I, I, I put down that I, I wonder if this actually was taken from – Ian Fleming's real experience in the war, like as an actual spy, he probably had to do shit like that. I sure. would imagine. Mm-hmm. So um, this is some real spy stuff that you don't really get. I mean, even in From Russia with Love, like he's checking the room for bugs and looking behind. Po- well, like, you even have the posters and things. You even have like the code code word stuff. What is it with the lighter? Well, the lighter, um, right? Do you have a match? And the guy says, "No, I've got a lighter." And the, he says, "They don't always like, work." They don't always, yeah. Very much a code, like so the guy knows that he's he is who he says he yeah, is. It's real spicy. <laughs> but some of that too, I think, comes from the reduced budget on those first films, right? I mean, when you can't afford mm-hmm. to go out and have a, a car chase and an explosion and a helicopter and all this crazy stuff, that's how you fill a movie is is by slow paced action. I mean, we talked a little bit about this before we started, but these early Bond movies. A, it's part of the cinema of the time, but they're just naturally slow movies. I mean, they don't move fast. When we get to Thunderball, I have big opinions on this, but at least in these first three, I don't think it it's bad necessarily. I think it's kind of like a 50-50 pro-con thing because on one hand, I think the film breathes a little bit better and I think it gives you time to sort of settle in and take it all in. I mean, they're beautifully shot films. They're in great locations. Um but at the same time, it's in 2019, it, I really struggle to keep my attention because I'm a millennial. So um, not made for my generation. But nonetheless, it is very much films of the, you know, you watch any film from that era and it's, you're, you're, you're right on board with the pacing. Yeah. It, it, the, the, uh, especially that car chase. I think that the car chase, it was one of the, you have to keep in mind that it is one of the earliest car chases and it, it kind of calls to mind an influence from, um, earlier, uh, was it Hitchcock films, right? You had the car chase, the famous car chase in vertigo sure. that I think heavily influenced the car chase that we see in, in later on in Goldfinger kind of neat. But um, and there's another scene in Goldfinger that I think is very Hitchcock Hitchcockian. But 
Um, for as for Doctor No, it's it's pretty cut and dry. Um, there's a bit of a mystery tone with it. Oh, um, sure. Th- everybody's always asking, you, "What is Crab Key? Uh, wh- who is Doctor No?" Like a lot of very almost like a like a mystery esque. And I and I want I wonder here um, if there was a lot of Hitchcock uh, influence on these movies because this is around the time that Hitchcock is kind of reaching his peak popularity. Um, and, and you see, like, a, it's very, yeah, it's a very, it's got a very mystery thriller vibe to it that I guess I didn't appreciate when I watched it the first time. Mm. Uh, sorry, you talking about the car chase reminded me of the Dr. No car chase where they, the, the, the people chasing him like careen off, off the road in the, the hearse that they're driving. And then they, you know, it explodes at the bottom and, and the, the construction worker asks him like, what happened? He was, he said, turns to him and says, I think they were going to a funeral. Yes. That was the, yeah. I, I think I said Goldfinger. That's the car chase I was kind of referring to. I oh guess it yeah. Wasn't Dr. No. Yeah. 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 And one thing, that, that, another classic one liner there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's in, I don't, I, cause now I'm going to start mixing up all the car chase. Cause every film has the car chase and the, but oh, I don't sure. know if it's from Russia with love or I think it's from Russia with love where there's a car chase car goes off a cliff and explodes, but it explodes like the second it goes off the cliff. Like it doesn't <laughs> even hit anything and it just explodes into a big bunch of flames. And I'm like, yes, this is great. <laughs> I, it's been well documented on the show. My love of explosions and movies. And I was a million percent on board. Although I did have a big issue not to jump ahead to the end of Dr. Now, but um, all of the so, Doctor No is the villain of this film. Working for we get the introduction of Spectre uh, with Doctor No at this point, and his his bad guy plan. And I do I don't think we're gonna have many sort of regular segments across these episodes, but I do if we can on each of these episodes, I would like us to rate for the movies how good the bad guy is and how good his plan is, because <laughs> sure. I think it varies by movie. And so Doctor No's plan is t- on his Crab Key Island. Uh, he's got, I don't understand how it works technically, but he has a nuclear reactor on this island, which by the way, in the book version, it's actually a, it's not radioactivity on the island. Um, it's actually a guano island, which is a real thing where where guano has been dropped for thousands and thousands of years and you actually harvest it and sell it as manure. They changed that for the movie because it's not sexy. But anyway... He's using the nuclear reactor somehow to jam the radio signals of rocket launches coming out of Cape Canaveral, Florida during the early stages of the space race, which actually was, uh, you know, a thing happening in the world at that time. It was a real thing. Uh, It was a semi-plausible idea. But it drove me crazy at the end of the film when they blow up the island that has a nuclear reactor on it. Like the whole like explode, yeah, right. psh, psh, all this stuff. It's like it's all melting yes. down and shit. And I'm thinking like Fukushima in Japan, no one can go within like a hundred sure. miles of the thing, and they hit. I got hit by like one yeah. typhoon, and this they're blowing up a goddamn nuclear reactor. Right. Like get out of there! It's it's radioactive <laughs> for like the next hundred and fifty years or something like that. I mean, like, they should go anywhere close you know, to it. Bond dies yeah. of radiation poisoning before from Russia with love. Sure. Right. Yeah. There's also there's also the bit where they're like he and the the lady and and Coral are out in the swamp, and then they get taken in. Like they get captured and they wash, they hose them down. Like they right. bring them in and they like wave them, wave the Geiger they counter them, like, over there. Like, oh my stuff. god, yeah. they're so radioactive! And then they like <laughs> just like shower them down and everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, they just had to take a shower and that's it. That's how you get rid of radio radioactive uh, poison, I guess. 
And mm-hmm. I, I always love how they give them like clothes and stuff, and they like let them stay in their room. They like feed them nice food. Very and, cushy like, rooms. Like, actually, taking them very, taking very good care of them. It, it's it's part of that long line of why don't they just kill him? I think all the time be, I shout at the screen, just kill him. You have yeah. him, just shoot him. <laughs> well, how about the the lady, like his love interest? They they like they. They like handcuff her to the floor. <laughs> yeah. and they plan to like slowly drown her. It's like <laughs> you could just shoot her, and that would be the end of it. But I think they they um they mention they mention somewhere in the book that like that scene was eventually supposed to have like a lot of crabs and stuff, like because it was crab uh. cold, crab island. So she's supposed to get like slowly eaten by crabs. They didn't have the budget for it, so <laughs> they couldn't get the crabs. They couldn't uh. afford CG crabs. That's you know computer technology but uh <laughs> they they also couldn't afford the real crab so they just decided to let her slowly drown to death i guess that was the plan like Although, the water would slowly come up and after I, like 100 years or so she would drown i do think crabs actually probably would have been worse i think it would have been worse on screen to have these very slow moving crabs like trying to eat yes. her to death it'd become so, like a b movie they that. made the right call killer crabs yeah on that. Um, Dr. No dies in, in probably one of the lamest ways of yeah. any villain. He gets what boiled she? by And I water. like Dr. No, actually. Mm-hmm. Like that scene at the dinner table there where they're kind of confronting each other and Dr. No lays out his evil plan. I think the one time you can get away with doing that because it's the first James Bond film and he actually says it in kind of a fun and interesting way. <laughs> and then after that, it just becomes a cliche. But yes. I'm like, I kind of like this guy. Like he seems neat. And he's, you know, one of the things... In all of the later films, I think the hierarchy of people who are important in these movies is James Bond is number one, the villain is number two, the the sort of disposable sexy love interest is three, and then like, I don't know, maybe like M and Q or like four, Money Pennies, somewhere in there. But in this first movie, the villain is barely in it. He's in the like last 30 minutes, maybe. He kind of comes in right at the end. You know, and I some of that, right, he's supposed to be mysterious and no one's seen him or anything, but comparing to the later films, like, it's shocking how late mm. he comes into the movie. I think they kind of parallel this with Spectre. If you've seen the the recent, fairly recent Bond movie, Spectre, he's very he is very much alluded to early on in the movie. Sure. You see him sort of, but you don't really like encounter him until the later act of the film. I think that that is kind of a, maybe an homage to Dr. No, but you're right. It's, it's, it's not something that is ever really seen again. Usually the villain is exposed pretty early on. He's, he's, he's revealed pretty early on and it's pretty clear who the bad guy is in, in a lot of the, a lot of the bond films. Now after from Russia with love, that's kind of the first one that has, they kind of set up um, like multiple bond love interests. Like th- there'll be like a woman in the beginning of the movie, but then she'll either die or become evil. And then there'll be, like, the real Bond girl who will be, like, the good one that lives in the end that he has sex with. But <laughs> well, So in Dr. No, there were three women. There was the woman right at the beginning playing Baccarat who was just, like, I don't know. They had to establish that he was he was going to be getting some constantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then there was the woman who was, like, the, the professor's secretary who was working in cahoots with dr no who was setting him up if you remember he was driving to her house and that's when they those the 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 dudes in the hearse tried to kill him um and then like he goes to her house and they spend some time together uh and then before he like has her arrested i guess 
And then there's the lady that they meet on the beach randomly yep. at Crab Key. Looking for shells. Yeah. I, I, I literally wrote in my notes for Goldfinger, why is everyone so horny for Bond? <laughs> in all caps. Because by the third movie, it was kind of a little much. I said, everyone wants true. to fuck yeah. this guy. It gets to be a point where he just walks past them and they just like can't control it's, themselves. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre that it's... <laughs> I just don't get it, but we'll talk. We'll have plenty of conversations about that. Um, we're we have three movies to get to. So, any other thoughts on Doctor No? I will say that I was really upset by the spider attack because that was lame sauce. Yes, that was weak. But again, it kind of it's very low tech, and it is something that you. I mean, maybe this is some something similar happened to Ian Fleming. Well, but we this is what's interesting. We know now tarantulas are not poisonous, so the bite wouldn't have poisoned him or anything like that. So that part was kind of lame. But, um, he, I mean, maybe maybe he encountered, like, secret assassins that would try to put sh- shit in his bed to try to kill him. But I don't this know. is the thing. It, it's So when I did the research, because I was like, what a dumb idea. In the book version... The same scene happens with a scorpion, which makes way more sense. Mm, Why didn't oh. they do that? Yeah, you're right. Do you think Connery I, was like afraid of the scorpion or they like didn't have the budget for a scorpion? I don't yeah, know what it was. Afford, Maybe. The scorpion's contract, his rider was way too high. I mean, they you know, he needed his own trailer and his makeup and hair. And I mean, to <laughs> me, a scorpion is scary. A scorpion will kill you. Like, I get that. Like, yeah. holy shit, that's scary. Or even like a couple of them. But like the spider. I, and, and of course, that scene, like all these scenes just was so slow. And you just watch it crawl a little bit. And then Bond's like, <gasps> and then you see it crawl a little bit. <laughs> I feel Ooh. like I feel like the editing in that was so flimsy, too, where it was like it would come back to the spider and it would be in a completely different place on him yep like, yep and, and you're and not I bet you the, anyone i bet the spider was on connery for all of like three minutes and he's like you got your shot get this off me get this off me yeah <laughs> yes i don't know uh i feel like the other like it was it was uh the sort of like colonial themes were interesting and like the <laughs> all this stuff where it was like the the quarrel that the Jamaican guy was like convinced that the dragon was real and like yes. and it was like the shitty like car with like fire co- with a flamethrower on it it was like come on it's <laughs> it like pretty... an island it's an island legend or something about this yeah. dragon yeah well there, there's the great honey rider who is the uh, the shell collector later in the film says well how do you know well how well do you know about animals did you ever see a mongoose dance or a scorpion with a sunstroke sting itself to death or a praying mantis eat her husband after making love and james bond says i hate to admit it but i haven't and she says well i have what a line from the movie speaking um, of a good line i have one more thing to say about dr no and and um it's uh, there's a very famous and often misquoted line that uh, he says, this is when the guy, I think it's the same guy that releases the spider in his room and he catches him and the guy is pointing the gun at him. And it's after he, he tried to shoot him several times and he like misses and he points the gun at him and he like picks it up and he like goes to fire and you think he has him. You think he has bond like dead to rights and he fires and nothing happens. And then bond is mm. like, he pulls out his gun and he says, that's a Smith and Wesson. You've had your six. And then he just shoots him with a silencer dead. That's great. Um, the, yeah, that's a badass, number one, very badass moment. Number two, very dangerous moment. If you're ever in, in like encountering a real uh, firefight, because apparently 
Um, there are some variations of the Smith and Wesson that have more than six like chambers. So Bond could have been absolutely wrong there, and he could have easily died. But he's Bond, so I guess he's invincible. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I want something that I took into account when I when I watched that scene is I think that that moment gets a callback in Casino Royale. I could be wrong on this, but if you the 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 intro to Casino Royale with Daniel Craig happens to be my favorite intro for a Bond movie. Uh, and if you remember the yeah, film, I can see that. Um, this is kind of like it's all black and white, and he uh, Bond is like on his first mission basically, and he's trying to he's trying to infiltrate this um this organization. He's trying to get like some documents from this building. He gets in like a fist fight with a guy in a bathroom and he's like fist fighting him. And, and then he ends up like it ends up getting like really bloody and like grueling. And he ends up slamming the guy against like the wall and against the sink. And like it's very bloody and and, gr and gritty for a Bond movie. But while this fight is going on, he's also talking with this guy at a desk. And the guy is like kind of the guy is, is part of this organization that Bond is trying to steal the documents from. And the guy is explaining how he's like, oh, um, he's like, um, did you, uh, you know, did you dispose of, of my, of the, my assistant or something like that? And he's like, yeah. And he's like going back and forth to this fight scene. And, um, the guy takes out the gun to go and try to shoot him to go to try to shoot bond underneath the desk. Um, and he says, well, uh, don't worry. The next one will be, but he doesn't get to finish his sentence because Bond already has a gun trained on him underneath the desk and he shoots him and he says, yes, considerably. He's presumably going to say like the next one's going to be a lot easier or something like that. So it's like about Bond's like first confirmed kill and second confirmed kill uh, and showing the difference between that. And I guess because this is like the first, not the first kill we see Bond get, but may, I mean, maybe with his gun, like maybe it's the first time he shoots someone. In the movie with that Walter PPK, mm -hmm. um, I thought it was like an interesting callback to that. Maybe the the scene from Casino Royale had something to do with that, with him out shooting a guy that had a gun trained on him. I don't know, but anyway, it was a badass moment. I thought it was it was super cool. Oh, that's great to, to see that again. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Doctor No? I'll take I don't that think as a so. <laughs> I think it was just funny. There was like the lack of blood is so shocking, oh, sure. so stark. Like people get shot, and like the secretary that gets shot in the beginning, just like it's like it looks like red paint or something. It's not even blood color. Uh, and then there's there's a part where he like stabs a guy with a knife in a river, and there's no like the water <laughs> doesn't change color or anything. <laughs> it was very silly. I guess I like so I I have to admit I did not have time for from from Russia with love so I I didn't rewatch that one but like Goldfinger was kind of that way too like yeah it's of the time they just didn't do it yeah. that way like they do today indeed as Matt was mentioning about Casino Royale um after Dr. No we have From Russia with Love the 1963 film coming up on the heels of Dr. No as you mentioned they doubled the budget um from Russia with Love uh, brings in 78 million in worldwide box office receipts, um, more than Doctor No, uh, becoming a blockbuster that year, as you would define it in those days. Um, Sean Connery returns to his iconic role um, as James Bond, this time working to steal a Lector crypt 
cryptographic device from the Soviets. Um, but he has to contend with um, Tatiana Ro- Romanova, uh, who works at the Soviet console and uh, consulate and has been tricked um, by Spectre into um, getting sexy with James Bond, I guess would be the best way to put it. Getting like over the top horny. Um, for Mr. Bond. What did you guys think of from, from Rush With Love? We did mention earlier the, the great opening sequence um, on Spectre Island. I noted here another impressive thing of movies of the time. I checked the timestamp. You don't see James Bond. Now, mind you, James Bond, just in a very successful film, okay? In From Rush With Love, you don't see him on screen until 18 minutes into the movie. Oh. Which, to me, you would never see that today. Never, not a chance. And I was very impressed because it goes into that more time is spent on the storytelling aspect and building the the new characters you're meeting versus the guy you already know. Yeah. And I think the first time you see Bond, correct me if I'm wrong here, isn't he like with one of the girls from the previous movie? Isn't he like getting it on with one of the Dr. No chicks? Uh... I think that's what he's doing when, when they when – they, first show him they're like where's bond and he's like oh it's with the girl from the previous movie which you also you also don't really see in uh in future ones so that was kind of neat um but it also it also is a is is the classic bond introduction he's like just being bond like being just being a player um i i didn't i honestly didn't really have a lot to write about from russia with love other than i had heard mentioned that um, an anecdote that this was um, Sean Connery's favorite movie. Hmm. This was his favorite movie, not Thunderball. I was wrong before about Thunderball. I think From Rush With Love is his favorite Bond movie to date um, when they made it. Another interesting fact about From Rush With Love is that it was one of President John F. Kennedy's favorite books. Yes. And um, he it was believed to be anecdotally the last movie he ever saw before he was assassinated whoa yeah Yeah. the first movie he saw in theaters and his love of the book uh when that information was published uh helped propel the books into the worldwide success that they were um certainly played a role in it Mm. wow other than that i just wrote cold war because this this movie is like the cold war movie it's talking about relationships between the Soviet Union and the United States. It's also talking about this like shadow organization that is kind of poking both sides and like making them pissed off at each other, which I don't really get. Sean, can you explain Spectre's like, can you explain their central goal to me here? Cause it just seems like they're just there to, to like agitate both sides. But what is their, what is like their mission statement? What, what do they want to accomplish here? In this movie particularly, I believe it's they want revenge on James Bond for killing Dr. No. Do they state that in the movie? I, I think you're right. I think they do mention Dr. No early in the movie and how they're pissed that he died and I, Bond mm. killed him. You know, I feel like that's part of their brand, right? Like re- the R inspector stands for revenge. Yeah. Spectre, great acronym. Special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion. Yes. The extortion part is what makes me laugh because they, there is a part in the movie and I didn't realize this when I watched it when I was younger, but there's a part in the movie where they film 
Bond, like they secretly film him having sexy time yes. with one of the girls, and they're like planning to use it as blackmail <laughs> against him. That just part just made me chuckle because it's like let it's that Bond. secret out. Of course, like this isn't going to mean anything. Like, <laughs> well, that's what's great is it's like, oh no, what are they going to do? Say he's having sex with the with the Russian villain in the in the first movie. He has sex with the bad guy lady. Yeah, I mean that's just what he does. He'll have sex it's with anything. That's what moves. he does. Yeah, he has sex with all the villains. And it's not going to matter. Were they going to send it to his boss and he's going to fire him for it or something? Like, because <laughs> we'll it was company time? I don't know. Like, what was the reason? Like, what would they What would they have, have had him on? I just thought that was hysterical. He he does get, like, uh, at the beginning of, not to jump ahead, but at the beginning of Goldfinger, he, M, like, reprimands him for uh, sleep, sleeping with Goldfinger's lady instead of, like, doing his job like a, like a professional. Yeah. And Sean Connery or Bond, he just kind of like laughs it off and is like, "Well, that's what I do. Like, that's that's me. It's like, part of the package." <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. You know, I I didn't dislike From Russia with Love, but I definitely had a. I think it leaned too heavily into the spy stuff. I think it was a little too flat, a little too technical. I thought Tatiana was useless as a character in the movie. Her story arc was weak. They didn't give her much to do. I didn't quite understand why she was there. Um, and I just, it was fine. Some of the action pieces were okay. I thought this movie had good hand-to-hand -hand action stuff throughout it. Good punches and chops. And that's one thing you almost never see in movies these days. Where, you know, they, they do 18,000 cuts so you don't realize it's the stunt double doing it. And it's all close-up stuff. And this is like nice, wide, uncut kicking and punching and you know that kind of action is good but overall it was it was a fine movie it was a fine movie i think it's the it's the first movie that gets a song right that gets a song with the with its name in it, the title it gets an but instrumental oh no no i think at the end like the end credits i think they say is there a, a song? song from russia hmm. with love it's not the intro but it's the end credits that gets a song thunderball is the first movie or no goldfinger is the first movie that gets like a a proper a intro song, with the yeah. song that the fo they follow from that point on, but I think it's I think the the end of uh, From Russia with Love, like with the credits, they play a song called mm. From Russia with Love. I just remember that um, from watching it. And then yeah, then they they're gonna have the, presumably they have sex in the little boat, little gondola. Oh yeah, Bond is holding the the film of the tape that they yeah that whole plot line was stupid. The the, the part where they're gonna extort extort Bond for having sex. <laughs> pretty lady like i you, you can almost hear like the canned laughter like was bond like looks at the camera and shrugs like well that's what i do like um the only other thing i had about from rush with love is that the helicopter scene where the helicopter is gonna like chase him down <laughs> i forgot about you that you know what i mean there's like the helicopter that's like zooming in on it's him just and, buzzing like, him it's just yeah, buzzing, buzzing him, him. Um, if you've ever seen North by Northwest, another Hitchcock film, that's right. Hey, good directly catch. influenced from the crop duster that is like going to kill the, the main character or tries to tries to swoop down and kill the main character in that movie. It's like this, the, the, these, these producers saw hit like a lot of Hitchcock movies and were directly influenced by them, which is another cool thing. I never really spotted, I guess, in, in, uh, the first watch throughs. So yeah, yeah. It, that was one of those funny things of From Russia with Love where I'm watching it and it's they're on the train and I'm like, oh, this is the end of the movie. And then they're kind of they're fighting on the train and it's he looks like he's caught and then he escapes. All right. That's the end of the movie. 
And there's the helicopter sequence. I go, oh, he's going to get attacked by the helicopter. That's the end of the movie. And there's the damn <laughs> boat chase with all the explosions. I'm like, oh, this is the end of the movie. No, then there's another. Oh, my God. It's like it just it's not that I wanted it to end, but I, it was like so misleading. It's like, did we really need more action? You could tell they had more money on this one. They spent it um, oh, yeah. to have a few more action set pieces because all of the boring uh, Lecter talk was really putting people to sleep. The gypsy yeah, camp. This movie was was a lot of backstory, which I guess explains why Bond isn't actually shown until eight minutes, 18, yeah. 18 well, you, minutes you in. You got to get Spectre in. You got to get all the Soviet Russia stuff in. You've got to get, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of backstory for sure. Mm-hmm. All the turkey stuff you got to squeeze in. Um, yep. the, the gypsy camp, which was a hoot. <laughs> sure. Not portraying gypsies in the best of light. Although you could say that about pretty much all minorities in these movies and women. Uh, just wait till we get yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say just wait till we get to uh, you only live twice, Japan. <laughs> yeah, not not not. That was the first. I wrote that in my uh, Doctor No notes. I think it's one of the first things I wrote where it's like, why are all the black people servants? That's not right. Um, colonialism, Sean. Yes, That's colonialism. Yeah. Say it's not, a product of its time. All the killers. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but James Bond is at the country club with the white people. Well, um, wait till we get to live and let die, and then you. <laughs> I'm so excited. These are going to be fun. Um, already. Well, that's I guess all there is to say about From Rush with Love. I will say, as far as the villain in this movie, not great. There really isn't a central one. Spectre, I guess, is the villain, or the. That Russian lady, that crotchety Russian lady who was like very like Colonel Rosa Kleb, stern Kleb. Yeah. yeah, she tries to kick him in the end with the sto- the the knife. Oh, shoes. the knife shoe. Yeah, oh yeah. God, I remember that. Oh, and then and then they have there's a great one liner there when after she gets killed by the pretty lady, the love interest kills her, and then Bond says, uh, "Yeah, she got her kicks or something like that." <laughs> yeah. Horrible, horrible woman. Yes, she had her kicks. She had her kicks. I purposefully pulled up the IMDb quotes pages for all of the movies we're talking about tonight because I knew this would come up. And there is a video out there that just has every Bond one liner, like one right after the other. I think there is. I think I've seen that. It's great. When you think about it, they're a little insensitive because, like, this is like people dying. Oh, God, yeah. Like, he's just making jokes and making light about that. Like, what is it? What does he say in, in Goldfinger? We'll tr- transition smoothly into that, where he electrocutes him in the tub. He drops like the yeah, that's shocking. shocking, perfectly shocking, absolutely shocking. Yeah. Well, there's a there's <laughs> a line. Shocking. I don't remember what part of From Russia Would Love this is in, but it's on IMDb, so I assume it's in the movie. And James Bond says, "You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen," and in that sort of overacty way, Tatiana goes, "Thank you, but I think my mouth is too big." And he goes, "No, it's the right size oh. for me. That is." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's some of these, and it's funny because in the movie they do so many How of them. How is that line allowed in the movie? <laughs> well, but in the movie there's so many of these that after a while you come like normalized, and yeah, then you read it right. online and you're like, that couldn't have like, been in the movie. <laughs> when you think about that line, it's like that was in the what 1963. Three, yeah, it's like wow, that pretty surprising. Yeah, not for kids. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, let's continue on to the movie. I think we do want to spend some time talking about from the number of times we've already referenced it. Our third <laughs> movie of the evening uh, and the third James Bond movie, Goldfinger, 1964's Goldfinger. Uh, Sean Connery returns for his third role um, as James Bond, this time going up against Auric Goldfinger and maybe the best named Bond girl of all time, Pussy Galore. <laughs> 
Again, must be we don't see her till toward the end, right? Like that's true. She's she's the second half girl. Yes. Oh, there's there's a lot to say about her, Miss Glore. Yes. Oh my goodness, this whole this whole uh, movie really something else. Uh, also, the first Bond film to win an Academy Award um, and uh, made over one hundred twenty five million dollars at the box office uh, in nineteen ninety nine. It was ranked number seventy on the top one hundred British films of all time list. So. This is also the first movie that was made without uh, original creator Ian Fleming, who yes. had passed away before the the film had finished production. Yep. And I think is it this one or Thunderball, which was the first to be made in widescreen Technicolor. Uh, you know what? I do think it is Thunderball. That's the first. Never mind. Yeah. I take that back. Was this the first? When did the Aston Martin come in? This was the first movie with the Aston Martin, okay. I believe. Um, I, I wasn't sure if it was this one or from Russia with, with love. love. And I think I think it was this one. I could be wrong, though. Uh, I'm confused. I don't know. I'm going to leave that one alone. I do know that it was the, the movie, the famous movie that, that uh, featured the famous ejector seat. Yes. Well, this is when the gadgets really got out of control. Because yeah, the gadgets this is the, in from... The first gadgety gadget movie. Yeah. Because From Russia with Love had gadgets, but they were like... Oh, it's like a it's like a briefcase that has a hidden knife in it, and I'm like, okay, that's yeah. like plausible. Like, yeah, I, it's some practical. I get stuff. that. Like, it's got a tape recorder built in the lining, so you could record people. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm like, this is sure. real spy stuff. And then they come here, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> out of control. The car Wait, has I, guns in it. I am really sorry, but I do have one more note for from Russia sure. with Love that I that I have to I have to just call back for one minute. Uh, from Russia with Love. The, the villain at the end, the blonde guy, the really strong, like, fit guy that they choose to try to kill Bond. Very creepy. Do you happen to remember how Bond knows that something is is up when they're – so it's when they're they're having dinner with him in the car, in the, in the, in the train car with – it's him and the woman and oh, this guy. Yeah. And he tries to poison the woman's drink and Bond, like – Bond, like, kind of takes notice of it but he's not, like, perplexed. There's one thing that the guy says to him that that really makes Bond concerned. Do you remember what it is? Was this the wine thing? Yes. He says, I knew something was up the moment you ordered red wine with fish. It's like never, <laughs> He's a refined never man. Bond, like poisoning my my like love interest. It was a roofie. I'm sure drink, Bond has done whatever. it plenty like, of times. I'm Bond. I do that shit all the time. It's like no, you ordered red wine with fish. Like that's a you're a messed up dude. Like there's something wrong here. Uh, so I have a I have an interesting tidbit that I'm pretty sure. So I'm pretty sure I picked this up from a professor, a, one of our college professors in the computer science department, who is a big fan of Bond. And Sean Connery was his favorite James Bond because sort of because of like what Sean was saying before, where he wasn't like a proper English gentleman. And that's what made him a great James Bond, because like James Bond is like an orphan. He's and he, he like hangs out with British aristocrats, but like he's not an aristocrat. He's like a kind of a scumbag. Right. Like and he's like playing the part. But that's um he also mentioned the that's his his signature drink the uh, the vodka martini which in and of itself is like not the proper way to drink a martini mm-hmm. quote unquote and then he orders it shaken not stirred shaken, which is stirred. just blasphemous you would never shake a martini that's disgusting hmm. um 
And so, so uh, with, with if you are drinking a gin martini, they say it bruises the gin. Who knows if that's true or not? Um, but but it's just a thing where it's like he's putting on airs, kind of being like a sophisticated guy, uh, but he's actually just just sort of pretending. And that's like uh, his drink is like his his signature drink is like the it's like tongue in cheek, I guess. Sure, and they they reference that in in a couple movies, two movies that I, that stick out to me, uh, where they reference Bond's upbringing and directly basically call him out on being kind of like this imposter, like this sham. Mm-hmm. It's in Goldeneye, and it's there's another moment in Skyfall. I mean, there's it pretty much makes up most of the plot of Skyfall, sure. where he goes back to the orphanage where he was raised and things like he discovers things about his past and, and stuff like that. Mm. But in Goldeneye, it's it's um it does contribute to the plot, but there's uh, 006, Alec Trevelyan, who tries to get Bond to join like this the, his basically his um rebellion against the British government, his terrorist coup. Uh, Janus, the organization, and he and he uses Bond's upbringing like as a, as a point. Like he says pretty much directly, like these people never respected you. These people never. These people look down on you, and and you'll never be able to fit in with them. You're an outcast, just like me, because uh, you know my parents were Leanne's Cossacks. They betrayed the British government, and they or they they were they they trusted the British government, and they paid for it with their lives. And your parents did the same. So it's. Uh, playing off of Bond's, yeah, Bond's like like mysterious upbringing, I guess, and um, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, he he is a little bit of a charlatan, and he kind of exposes himself like with things like that, uh, mm-hmm. the the bruised martini. You can do anything with mm-hmm. confidence, sure. And boy, is he that's losing it. it. That's um, the that's the big lesson here. In in Goldfinger, of course, the film opens. Uh, with a dramatic sequence, James Bond goes in, blows up a drug laboratory, and then goes and have, has sex with that lady, um, who he then uses as a human shield, which I really appreciated at the beginning of the movie. Um, he sees the bad guy coming, but rather than turn her away, he kind of just... He turns her into it. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, with some great hand-to-hand fighting sequences right there in the opening, which I thought were really nice. Um, and then that leads us into our Goldfinger, our, our bad guy of the movie. Who comes mm. in uh, pretty early when uh, James Bond is on vacation in the scenic Miami Beach? Uh, yeah, he's at a hotel, and Oric Goldfinger is playing a card game uh, by the pool. I think it's poker. Is he playing like just poker or no, something? No, it's uh, it's uh, it's, it's got to be something. Gin co- Rummy, I think. Or it's br- what? It's Gin Rummy, I think. Oh, all right, that's not too bad. I thought it was going to be like baccarat or no, some kind no, no. Well, it's you know, fancy like French game from the 18th century that we've never heard of. It's a Bond movie, so um, yeah, that that. So, but um, he's playing the game. He's playing this card game, and uh, he decides to just fuck with him. Like he goes, he goes into his hotel room. He gets, he seduces a maid and tricks her, tricks her into opening the hotel room door for him. Oh no, he doesn't trick her. He just grabs her, grabs the key <laughs> off her waist, That's, inserts it yeah. through, and then she walks away and says nothing. Yeah, <laughs> very weak security. Um, opens his door and he sees a woman on the balcony who is spotting cards for him using using her binoculars, which is crazy. Is feeding him all this information through a very a very obvious headpiece that he's wearing. I think if I were anybody sitting at the card table, I would be like, do you have a hearing problem? Like, I what? have to assume <laughs> that's what he played it off as, as a hearing device. Like, but, 
But I also yeah. couldn't believe from from the distance from that hotel to the pool, she saw the cards that good. I'm calling bullshit on those binoculars. Well, she did have some pretty high tech binoculars there. They were True. they were like opera True. opera binoculars. <laughs> but then, of course, literally within three minutes of learning who Goldfinger is, Bond blows his cover essentially by going over the speaker and just introducing himself to him not holding back he's just getting right which on which he does right? get he does get chastised for later on M is not As happy with that, with that shit yeah he's like you're <laughs> secret agent yeah I could get you killed you dumbass like you shouldn't blow your cover like that and, um, and then he takes Jill Jill um, Jill Masterson Jill Masterson great name um, mm. takes her and has sex with her yes uh, as as Bond does, you know, and there's um, the great in, in in Goldfinger's hotel room, no less. It's still in she. He's still in her. In, is it in still that, in his suite. hotel room? It's still in his hotel room. What a dipshit! <laughs> <laughs> the ego. Yes, but does he actually get to consummate his relationship with Jill, or does he get knocked out? No, I think I think I think they, they do it, and out? that's when he goes for the champagne, like champagne right. and he does his little speech about how it has to be at thirty-eight degrees Fahrenheit. That's just as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Beatles without earmuffs, which I don't really get. I, I I actually wrote down here. I I don't get why he shits on the Beatles because the movie came out in nineteen sixty-three. I don't think it's shitting on the Beatles. This I, is like the Beatles' peak popularity. This is when they're like first coming to the United States, the Ed Sullivan show, like everybody loves the Beatles. I don't really, why is he shitting he, on them? I don't think he's shitting on the Beatles. I think it's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. I think what he's saying is you got to listen to them on headphones because that's really how you hear them. Mm. You, you really okay, hear the I, detail in the vinyl. I took this to be like a shot at them. Kind of, kind of like the Beatles were at this point, like a, like a boy band. Mm. It'd be like us shitting on one direction. Maybe. That's kind of what I thought. Like, all right, he's shitting on the boy band because that's what you do when you're like a machismo yeah. guy. Because you got to like, you're more manly than the boy band and you're appealing to an older generation or I don't know. I didn't really get that line. Maybe also it could be him trying to be like this imposter uh, aristocratic British guy that he isn't. He really isn't. Mm-hmm. But like we were saying, like Colby was saying before, like this is the persona that he has to give off. He has to kind of act like a, a and then this is what an aristocratic British guy would say. I don't know. I don't know. It, it was just a really awkward line. I yeah. remember hearing it being like, uh, everybody loved the Beatles in 1963. Why are they pooping on them? Like, listening to them without earmuffs. Like, Yeah, they don't do a lot of sort of current pop culture references like that in these movies. Not really at all. So it's I mean, unusual. Barely any. There is one 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 off pop culture pop culture or newsy reference that happens in Doctor No, when they go into the base. There's a painting of the Duke of Wellington. Mm. That painting happened to have been stolen at around that time, and they didn't know who stole it. So it was kind of like a tongue in cheek, like, "Oh, here it is. We found it. Like it's in Doctor No's lair." Like, but they don't. Yeah, you're right. They don't really do a lot of those things. No. Um, but it's at this point. It's at this point that James Bond gets hit over the head and knocked out by one of our favorite characters from this movie, Ajab. Ajab, yeah, Ajab. classic. Now, can we can we please just spend a moment talking about what a dumb idea a throwing hat is as a weapon? It's got like blades on it. And Sean, if you ever played Goldeneye for the N sixty four, uh huh, you know if you played as Odd Job, that that throwing hat was an instant kill. But here's like, the thing: nobody was allowed to ever play as Odd Job because it was cheating. 
I'm gonna seriously. Also, he was like two feet shorter than all the other characters, so you'd shoot over there. It was cheat. It was cheap. Whoever played his odd job was just cheating. I will give you. Okay, we know odd job crushes the golf ball in his hand, which is actually kind of badass at the golf course. He's very strong. I get that. Okay, and he can throw very accurately. I get that. And a metal rimmed hat could do a lot of damage. I agree with all these things. The problem, as we see at the end of the movie at the gold depository, when you throw the hat, the hat doesn't come back. You have to go get the <laughs> That's hat. Not a boomerang, right? It's, you it's crazy go to it. me. Like it's a. You're right, man. It's a one shot weapon. You better yeah. hit. And then you at one hit. point, what's crazy to me is is when they're in the woods outside of the uh, what I believe is the gold uh, processing facility. He throws the hat at Tilly Masterson. And hits her, or no, at Jill, at Tilly, yeah, and kills, kills her, or knocks her. No, he, I think he just, I think he, he knocks her unconscious, her or injures her, or something. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy because it's like, okay, so I the hat will cut show. the head off of a statue, but it will knock her unconscious. I know this is nitpicking, but it kind of drove me crazy. See, <laughs> it did kill she, her. I thought, yeah, I was gonna say, it I thought did she kill was her. dead because you never, we never see her again. Well, maybe no. she, maybe she is. Then who does Bond? Oh no. Bond gets with the pussy galore. Yeah, because the there's end. there's yeah. three girls in this movie because you've got the Masterson right. sisters. Okay, it does kill then, her. Yeah, yeah. I'm we didn't even sure that is we didn't confirmed. even talk about just, Jill Masterson getting painted gold. Oh my right. god, that's the that's kind of iconic. With with that with that well placed pillow in the hotel room that's just covering her bare ass on the bed, which <laughs> sure, which yeah. I thought was a hoot. I said I said we can just move that a little to the left or right. You know, uh, you're showing uh, everything else. It was the '60s, but it wasn't. You know, you couldn't go that far. Yeah. But too much. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, can we talk about is this a real thing? Skin asphy- asphyxiation? Is that real? Apparently. Can you die of that? If you paint your whole skin a color, you can die? I, I'm i in a very. Well, okay. Smithsonian. The they ex- they Smith- explained it in the movie is that there's something like the nape of the neck is like has to have like you have to be able to breathe or something like that out of there. I don't know. What do they, what do they say? Um, according to Smithsonian Magazine, no, it's not possible. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it says right here, James Bond lied to us, death by gold paint, unlikely, that's NBC News. <laughs> unlikely. Um, yeah. I don't know what this, uh, oh, they Even have a whole a article here about this. this scene, I was like, I called bullshit on that. It I says here, like... uh, they talked to a dermatologist who said, we don't breathe through our skin. A person is not going to suffocate. <laughs> And then, of course, yeah. this article is stupid enough to say, of course, if you dip- dipped someone in molten gold, that would be a different story. <laughs> That's what I don't get. Why, why couldn't it have just been that? Why couldn't it have just been like a game? You know, in Game of Thrones where they pour like the molten gold on that yeah, guy's head and how are you die? Like, do that? Why couldn't it have just been that? But how are you going to do that to in a hotel in Miami? gold. <laughs> Where are you, like, you going to get a vat of molten gold at a hotel in Miami Beach? You're, oh, you're, or Goldfinger. He loves gold. The dude loves gold. Dude, he's got to have he it fucking somewhere. Loves gold. <laughs> he loves it. He could probably get gold wherever he wants, whenever he wants. I don't know. That was his whole thing. Was that he loved gold? The, the quote Painting from the girl uh, gold and having her die because of it is stupid. Like, how would he? Why would she allow that to happen? Was she just laying there? And, she like, must have been her? knocked unconscious. Maybe she must maybe Oddjob knocked her out too, and then painted her gold, and she died that way. Yeah, I, why I not would... have her choke on a bar, literal bar of gold? Maybe like Goldfinger tries to shove a gold, like a bar of gold, down her throat. That even that makes more sense than than painting her skin gold, and she dies from that. I, I liked so it. Stupid. I thought it was funny. 
I thought it was great. Even even so M silly. is like trying to explain, like, well, you see, Bond, when you when the whole skin is painted, we can't breathe out of our skin. <laughs> and Bond is like, yeah, whatever. All right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Bond. I was I was honestly thinking the movie was going to go down the route of like Bond is framed for her murder, but then everyone is mm. like totally cool with it. Oh yeah, they're just like you know, shit happens. It's, yeah, it must have been the guy with it, gold yeah. in his name. There's no way Bond did it. Um, speaking of his name. Uh, I, I pointed out that this is the first time I ever noticed, but his first name is Oric. Yes. And I think isn't isn't the letters for gold on the periodic table AU? Yep. So it's got Not a lot of subtlety. Kind of, yeah. The gold like the golden one, the golden yeah. Gold finger. <laughs> yep. So was Oric working for Spectre? No, I think this is just an independent dude. There's no Spectre involved in this. So what was his plan? He he explains his plan later in the movie that he's going to rob Fort Knox of all the gold. Yes, I want to talk about his plan. Yes, we'll talk. You want to talk about that now? Well, I, I want to talk about two things. One is how he introduces the plan, which is bonkers, because he gets so to execute. He's first of all, I think he says he's been working on it for years, and to get. To execute the plane, he has to involve a bunch of other bad guy criminals to, like, import stuff and to do stuff, bring in, like, the, the gas, the killer gas and all this stuff. And so all the, they're all there looking for their money. And he goes ahead and, you know, I say in Dr. No, I don't mind Dr. No presenting his plan because it's kind of, you know, he does it just casually and, and, you know, in a way to kind of test Bond, right? Goldfinger, no taste for the man who loves gold, no subtlety. <laughs> He's got a giant two-scale model in his floor that opens up, rises up, a giant map. The the giant map would have sufficed, dude. You didn't also have to do the model. Like, they're the same size. Like, why did you do both? That's crazy. He's got, like, a control panel. It's bonkers. The way he does. And, of course, he lays out his plan, which is he's going to irradiate the U.S.'s gold supply. He's not going to steal it, because that's what Bond thought at first. Bond said, how are you going to possibly move all that heavy gold? And he said, I'm not going to take a single bar. He's very smart. He's going he's gonna to sneak into the base after gassing and killing everyone there. I think Bond says like 60,000 people will be dead. He's going to get a dirty bomb from China, explode it at the facility, and irradiate all the gold, which will be radioactive for something like 60, 70, 80 years. No one can touch it, which will make his gold more valuable. And I have to say, that's actually a pretty good plan. That yeah, I, I wrote here A plus plan. I, it's thumbs a, up. Not for the not for the presentation, because like you said, there was no need for a model no, for sure. and okay. a map, but and, and to show everybody all those gangsters. Right, which, you're just gonna the way, kill them, then just kill he them. He just ends up killing the gangsters in the end. Remember he like gasses them with the same poison he's gonna use. So why explain your plan to all of them if you're just gonna kill them in the end? I didn't I didn't get that part at all. But it's the same when he drives the guy I guess we would know what was going on. The, but... the one guy who wants to leave, which you need mm -hmm. him to do so that the other spies can follow him who are looking for Bond and all this other you know, they have the car crushing scene. But I'm like the second he walks outside the house, you kill him. Like, why drive him all the way out there just to kill him? And then you have to crush the car. Like, it doesn't <laughs> did not think this through. He's good with his plan. Didn't think this part through. I mean, this is also the same guy that ties when he captures Bond, he ties him to a board and has him like like the laser is moving like, OK, slower than slower than like a like an hourglass, like moving up to his crotch. Like, why not just zap him with a laser or, or just shoot him? Like, but I just don't on. get it. I'm going to rep for the laser. OK, OK, I want to hear this. 
two things. One, Goldfinger needed to know what Bond knew about Operation Grand Slam, which is also, by the way, a great plan name. True. It has nothing to do with gold or with horses or with any. I don't know why it's Operation Grand Slam. Very confusing. But um, he needed to he needed to threaten Bond. He couldn't kill him because he needed to know what he knew about the plan. So I get why he didn't do it. The other thing is I actually thought that scene was relatively suspenseful. Because, again, you know Bond's not going to die. But at the same time, it was I thought it was cut and edited relatively well to the point where there was some amount of suspense and, and then Oric at first, he's like, no, Mr. I expect you to die. And then he goes to walk away and then Bond stops him. And then he turns and he thinks and the laser's getting closer. And I actually, I give credit. I actually really like that scene. I'm just going to say that's, that's my opinion. I like the, now, of course, the fact that Oric built this like super duper mega laser is crazy. Um, but it's a fun scene. But not without purpose, right? Because they needed it to get into Fort I Knox. Was, I was so thrilled when it came back at the end where I'm like, what? why did he have this laser just to burn his balls off? But no, it just comes back and you're like, oh shit, it's the laser from before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he couldn't just ram the door. He had to get a goddamn, how long does that laser take? My goodness. Yeah, that's the, that was the thing. It was the, slow, the slowness of it. But the I guess if everybody was dead, and methodical, yeah. it, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just thought it was just a just a giant like waste of time. Oh, silly! I don't know. Very silly. Again, like this this is the perfect scene where you have like a molten pot of gold, and you have like he's gonna trickle like hot gold on him or something. I don't know something more I I uh, related to. I mean, the the laser became extremely iconic, and it's like you know that's the moment you think of is the Do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die. Like that's that that's the go to. Uh, quotable bond villain moment but he's not really showing his his like gold goldness like <laughs> he's all about gold and stuff like that but then the laser does make a really cool neat callback later on where they break into fort knox uh which is which is part of his diabolical plan um <laughs> great great line um Oh, I have. Uh, all right, so he meets he meets the this this pilot Pussy Galore, mm. and uh, her she's gonna she's working for him initially. Like she's gonna spray this chemical all over the place so that people fall asleep. Yes, the, yes, the long gas. enough for yeah, it's long enough for uh, Goldfinger and his henchmen to get into Fort Knox to poison the to set off the bomb, the dirty bomb that's gonna irradiate all this gold and make it unusable. Yep. Yep. Is this? It would it like I know that the the plan is kind of smart when you think about it, like making his gold mm-hmm. worth a lot more than than uh, other gold at the time. But is this like a like a lucrative thing to like? I don't know. You think there would be like backlash? Like the U.S. government would figure it out would figure out that like somebody poisoned all their gold. They're not just going to be like they're going to roll over and just be like, oh, we can't touch our gold anymore. So, yeah, know, but I mean, if you're good enough, finger, to... you're in charge. I wonder who, by the way, we have no idea who irradiated the gold. You think it's the guy who loves gold? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, it's gold finger. Did you have anything to do with this? <laughs> no, no, I have no idea. It just happens to be a circumstance that works out nicely for me. The, the man who has the horse farm down the road. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I I agree. Although I will say, if you get to the point where you can smuggle in a dirty bomb from China and not and get away with it, go for broke. Right. 
I do want to call back actually to uh, to the the golf scene. Um, oh yeah, because I, I think there's an important moment there where Bond Bond tricks tricks Oric Goldfinger, and as as kind of as boring as the scene a little bit gets to be to watch, um, it it is it is one of those like Bond condescending Bond aristocrat moments where he's like he knows that Bond play that Goldfinger plays a Schlesinger seven, but the the ball that he picks up is a Schlesinger five, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, like that's that's just one of those like you drank red wine with the fish, you asshole. Like it's just one of those like Bond being a being a, an aristocratic douche, I guess. Um, being a know-it-all kind of. Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, <laughs> and I love I love in the golf sequence. There is a single shot where there's like no music or anything. You just kind of hear the the natural sounds of the course, and there's a wide shot with the four of them all looking for his lost golf ball. And it just holds that shot, not super long, but just long enough where it's like, it's sort of actiony and there's interesting stuff and music and stuff's going on. And then just this like shot of the four of them just like acting totally normal human beings, just like looking for a golf ball. And it cracked me up because it seemed so out of place. It was hilarious. I'm like weird, but I liked it. And that caddy was hilarious. Yeah, he was. He was he like a stand-up comedian or something. He, he must have like, been. He must have been like a popular comedian. He was. He just very, had that vibe. Like he was very funny and kept cracking jokes all the time. But he also did that thing some '60s movies do, where back then they didn't think audiences were smart, so they show James Bond swapping out the golf balls, and then the caddy has to say, "Oh, Mr. Bond, did you did you swap out the yeah. golf balls? Like yeah, we just saw it. it. You don't have to do it. But, you know." <laughs> yeah. We're not you're, that dumb, Mr. Audience member. You're you, you're clearly a dumbass. You, yeah, you, don't you pay weren't watching. So we got to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That that uh that moment was uh that scene was interesting. I, I guess it was one of those like it was like an intellectual chess match. I guess was what it was supposed to be. But couldn't Goldfinger just have just as easily have said like, oh yeah, I usually play a Slashinger seven, but today I brought the Slashinger five. There would be no Bond would be totally caught in his lie. He'd be like, "Oh, okay then." Yeah, this this sorry this, for that was my mistake. Like, but instead, Goldfinger like just admitted to cheating. He's oh, you you caught me. He's all mad. You know, it's one the of those match things. Is forfeit now because Bond has you, to you win. Found out I use a different ball than the one that I usually use. You Bond no, always or, wins. You have no evidence of it. It's not like you took a picture with your iPhone <laughs> or something. Like you don't know. Could have just easily been like, oh no, that was the ball I'm using. Like, prove it, asshole. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course, then Oddjob throws the hat at the statue to intimidate him. Comes right off, crushes the golf ball. I, you know, it's what a... Oddjob gets no lines in this movie, right? Well, it's it's established I mean, that he's a mute. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, that is. Oh my god! When he at the end of the movie, when the 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 clock is kicking da- ticking down on the nuclear bomb, James Bond is handcuffed to it in the vault with Ajab, who's in the vault, and I, and he Ajab is like up on a third or fourth story and has to get to the bottom, and it's like a race, and I'm like throw the hat, and like it it shows him running, and he looks at Bond, and they see each other. And then he keeps running. He waits till he gets to like the ground floor. Throw the hat. I'm like, that's the one thing you do. Throw the hat. <laughs> throw like, the hat. come on. You know, Bond's like about to get away, and you're like, for? throw the hat. Right, that drove me crazy. Thing. That's like your. It was so slow. Thing. It was so slow. 
Uh, I do want to take a second to talk about uh, a character we have not gone into detail on, Pussy Galore, played by Honor Blackman. Fun fact, um, Blackman was selected for the role uh, because of her role in an earlier movie, um, an espionage British television series called The Avengers. Um, And the fact that she knew Judo was actually written into the script after she was cast. So interestingly enough. But I was really bothered by the idea that Throughout the whole movie, she constantly says no to Bond's sexual advances over and over and over and aggressively, even to the point where they're like doing judo and fighting each other and he like throws her and she still says no. And then they have sex. I have this written in, Sean, in my notes in all capital letters. I have red flag, red flag. The words red. This is this is like Bond. I mean, we're at this point. We're used to his like, you know, sexual nature uh, and, and promis- promiscuity. This movie is is the it, like he, he he it goes over the edge. Even if you yeah, remember absolutely. in the in the opening, like in the beginning, the opening scene, he kills that late or he has, he almost kills that lady by pushing her in the way of the oncoming attack, getting her hurt. Yep. Um, but that's not even the least of it. When when he's in the Miami hotel, I, I have this written the, the exact words that Bond says to um. Was is that Jill Masterson? He's like, yeah. Jill, meet meet Fred. Fred, meet Jill. Fred, say goodbye to Jill. Say goodbye to Fred. Like, and then she's like, "What do you mean?" And he says, "Man talk," and then physically pushes her out of the way, slaps her ass, and slaps her ass on the way out. It's like it's definitely not okay. No, no, but that's what was. If 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 he tried that today, there would be a, a harassment suit. But that's what was crazy to me about the the pussy galore thing was that. Most Bond girls in the first couple movies, when he goes to sleep with them, they go, oh, I couldn't. And he goes, but I'm Bond. And they go, okay. And then they just have sex with him. But with Pussy Galore, it was like, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. She spends the whole movie, like the one person I'm like, finally, someone he's not going to sleep with. And boom, there you go. And that's all it takes to turn on Goldfinger. Yeah, right, right. Very rapey. And then, and then what does he say after, like... That was the whole setup for why she – that was my thing. I was watching – I was just watching the movie. I watched the movie before the episode, and then, like, it got to the end. I was like, how did they know to to come do the thing? Like, how did they know to be there? And apparently she, like, turned coat and told them, and then uh, what what was his thing, like – it must have been her maternal instinct. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that's right. What? <laughs> too, much too <laughs> far. Yeah, it's that one was. Yeah, I think they were they were trying to push the envelope with a lot of these things. Although I guess the culture I mean, was extremely different back then. So yeah, totally, but problematic. Jeez. Yeah. Looking back on these movies now, th- this is definitely the one that like I think holds up the least, especially for <laughs> scenes like that. Yeah, the <laughs> as as unbelievable as the uh, those other sorts of those scenes are, like, ugh. yeah, that was very problematic because she she was adamant. She, she even says one of the first things she says to him is like, "Don't even try it. Yeah. I'm immune to your charms." Meaning, like, don't just just don't just don't go there. Yes, it wasn't like they had like uh they were building rapport or something and warming up to each other. She was yes. like, yeah. 
She was, she was immediately, she says, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. So just stop it. And he doesn't. And that is not okay for, uh, uh, for bond. No. So uh, I, I will say though, I think one of my biggest problems with this movie, there aren't many, but this, I think is a textbook example of you kept bond alive too long where I get why you did it at certain points in the movie, but by the time he's bringing Bond to Fort Knox during right. the crime, right. you're like... To chain him to the bomb. To the bomb. You're like, so the one man who can stop you, point you tie to the bomb. And I, and, I know, and I get it's like, oh, I'll blow him up. It's brilliant. I'm like, but you also have guns and a giant laser and many other be, creative ways to kill him. There's got to be some kind of unwritten law where, like, you can't just shoot Bond. Like, there's... Maybe no. they, maybe it's like some kind of bar bet that all the villains have with each other. It's like we, but we're agreed we can't just shoot him. You know, we gotta. He's gotta. We we can try to kill him, and whoever wins wins the bet. But we can't just shoot him point blank. That's too easy. That's too easy, right? We gotta. It's gotta be a challenge. We have to come up with our own villainy way to do it. Yep. You would. It would have to be that way. Otherwise, it's oh, there's the scene where Goldfinger sneaks out of Fort Knox. Yes, uh, remember where he, he disguises himself as one of the army, one of the National Guard, and he like sneaks out. I, I missed that when I first saw the movie. He like yeah, it's and, great. And he gets away with it. He escapes. Like nobody, they don't catch him. But then he right? can't just leave, right? So the man is is rich. He's got untraceable gold. So even if he's wanted for the crime, he can't probably he can get away with it. But he has to get his revenge on Bond. So he fakes right. the meeting with the president, gets Bond on the plane, and then gets sucked out of the damn plane. That's, yes. That, which that's is great. That's gets the ending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Which is fantastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have a, an interesting tidbit, interesting bit of trivia that I learned researching the movie. When when Oddbit when Oddjob throws his hat at Bond and it gets stuck in the fence, and then yep. he, like um, the actor who played Oddjob actually burned his hand on the fence. Um, that was a real a real uh, that wasn't just like effects. That was a real um, smoke and and like they actually heated up the fence for the purposes of that scene i guess to produce the smoke mm. he actually burned his hand but he stayed in character the whole time because the director never yelled cut so he's he cut it was kind of like a dicaprio in django unchained moment you know when he cuts his hand on the plate but he stays in character like wow the odd job actor like when he was holding on to those things he was actually getting burned and then like his hands actually burned but uh i thought that was cool was that the uh, shot was they good used for him that was the shot they used in the movie. Wow. Like legit. Oh, good he actually him. burns his hand on the on the things. Uh then of course they when the bomb is, is counting down, the dirty bomb is counting down, of course it has to stop at 007. Yep. It pauses. Which is from this point on that point on, I think when I saw that movie, every time I used a microwave <laughs> throughout my entire like young adult <laughs> life, I I would stop the microwave at 007. To, uh, Never change, Matt. Never so, change. <laughs> Uh, I just wrote down 007 microwave, so I had to mention that. That <laughs> it's a great anecdote. Yeah. So, and that's pretty much the movie. I, what? It, what's the last? The last scene they get. Um, they're in the plane, right? Yeah, the plane After is crashing, and mm -hmm. they parachute out, and they land on the island where they're getting all sexy with each other, and then the rescue helicopter flies overhead, and he's like, "Nah, they can come back later." Oh, well, that's right. They cover There's no time to be rescued. Yes, there's no. This is no time to be rescued. Not okay. I I didn't I didn't like 
Pussy Galore as a character just didn't need to. Not that she didn't need to be in the movie because she she was badass. She was great. He, he just he just didn't need it didn't need to be that way with with the two of them. Bond does not have to sleep with every single woman that it, he <laughs> that comes on screen. screen. She's the third it, woman yeah. in the film. Now, to be fair, she he doesn't sleep with Tilly. Till he dies but before he has the chance has to do chance. so. He probably would have liked to. Oh, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Tilly, yeah. come on. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was totally unnecessary. To it's like in, well, I mean, we'll talk about this more next week, but when, when um, he tell when he's with Domino, the character from Thunderball, and he, tell, he tells her, like, he, he, like, make sure he sleeps with her first before he tells her that her brother was murdered. Yep. 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 Yeah. The more I watch these movies, the less I think about <laughs> the less I guess I think of of Bond as a, a as a character and a person, but this movie is where it really starts to go down a dark path. I think with uh, his interactions with females. Well, there's yeah. there's two other quick things I want to mention. One is just a quote I really loved. This was when Goldfinger was announcing his plan to all of the other bad guys and he says man has climbed mount everest gone to the bottom of the ocean he's fired rockets at the moon split the atom achieved miracles in every field of human endeavor except crime which is i love <laughs> that's a great that, that's something the joker would say i love that line it's ridiculous um and the other thing i love is the movie poster for this movie has has one of my favorite taglines which it says everything he touches turns to excitement Ah, <laughs> James Bond is back in action. And I, I just, I love that line. That's a great line. Um, I love this movie. I genuinely, I genuinely really enjoyed this movie because it, it was a good mix of silly. The plot was kind of interesting. It was slow at some parts, admittedly, but all these movies are. Um, but overall, it had enough to get me involved. I think of the, th of my first three James Bond movies, this one was probably my favorite. I'll keep a running tally as we go through them. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought Dr. No was solid from Russia with love was fine. Um, but, but good movie. So far. I'm enjoying them so far, which is exciting. Um, cause I, I wasn't sure if I was going to, I really like movies with clear style. I don't like bland movies like Planet of the apes for me is a good example. I really like that movie cause it's really has a clear and defined style. And of the time star Wars is kind of like this. And I like these movies because as soon as you get to those openings with the, with the, with the gun barrel and you know, he shoots the guy. I mean, I love that. We, we didn't even talk about the Goldfinger theme song, Shirley Basie. Um, the gold finger. No, that's uh, the, that's like the first tried and true theme. It is. For, yeah. Yeah. And, and by the end of this, we'll have to have a debate what the best James Bond theme song is. I think this one is certainly mm -hmm. in the running for the winner. Um, it's, it's iconic. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally is. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, th this one I remember really enjoying when I was younger for, I think it. This was, um, I believe, the very first Bond movie I ever saw, as a, as a kid, um, and I think it really did leave a lasting impression on me. Uh, the ejector seat. I remember as a kid laughing hysterically at that. I <laughs> loved that seeing the guy getting shot out of the ejector seat. Because, but now looking back on it, it's it's like why. What is the purpose of the ejector seat? Like, is it just so, just in case that one scenario where you get hijacked or kidnapped, well, you would use it? Why else would you need the ejector seat for the passenger seat of the car, right? Is but that that's what what's, it is? But that's what's great about the James Bond movies is when they, because everyone, every James Bond movie has that sequence where you meet, 
Q and he gives you the gadgets, right? Mm-hmm. And what's great is you can backtrack and say, what scene is he going to need that gadget what is he for? Need because 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 yeah. it's not like they're general use items, especially in the later movies. You're like, why would he need a car that's invisible? <laughs> you know, it's, it's 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 like you have to kind of backtrack and figure out. Oh, that's right, he's going to need it for that he's scene. He's going to use it in one scene. It's yeah. it's the same with the ejector seat. You're like, yeah, it's not like they're going to put it in there and not use it. Like, yeah. no, he's going to eject somebody. Yeah, somebody's going to try to carjack him, and and yeah, they're going to have to they're going to have to eject him. And, and a and a fun fact, just since you mentioned it, a toy of the Aston Martin DB5 from the movie was the best selling toy of 1964. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Did it have a real ejector seat? Um, the it did. The the um, you would what is it? You would uh push a button and the 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 lid would actually open up. So it was it was part of it. Um, it had the little shield in the back that would open up. Um, yeah, it had some of the toys. Two Aston Martin DB5s were showcased at the 1964 World's Fair and dubbed the most famous car in the world. Wow. Cool. Any last thoughts on our three James Bond films this oh, evening? How would you rank the villain? How what would you what would you say about, oh, a plus. The, about Goldfinger? A, a plus, plus A plus on okay. Goldfinger, A plus on his plan. I thought I thought they were yeah. both great. Now again, I've only seen these three films, so I'm kind of just judging off what I've seen so far. But I I I appreciated that they were kind of a freelance like he was a freelance villain. Like he wasn't working. He was just with a Spectre. bad dude. He was just a just a dude that was out to get rich. He was out to get paid. And he's and he not complex. A, he he, he loves gold. He had a gold. very good plan. Yeah. That's it. You could say in one, he loves gold. Like you don't need loves some big gold. specter. It stands for the special. No. Goldfinger. Dude loves gold. He wants more gold. He wants his gold to be worth more. Like it's great. Yeah. I love the simplicity of it. Now I might be, I might be splitting hairs here, right? But why is this a mission that MI6 even needs to get involved in? It, it, it all takes place in the United States. Um, it's, it's with Oric Goldfinger, I think he's an American, right? Or is he, maybe he's British. I don't know. He might be British. Maybe that's why MI6 has to get it's involved. A, it's, it's a smuggling issue because he's smuggling the gold. From where? He, he's smuggling he's it. poisoning Fort Knox gold. No, no, this was at the beginning of the movie. You remember, um, he is sneaking money out of, so... Um, gold prices vary across the world, so you want to sell it internationally to make more money, but there's laws that stop you from doing that, and that's where the smuggling comes in. So if you remember, his car was made of gold. It, it, right. And so that's how he was smuggling it, by taking his car on the plane and flying it to the other country, and they just thought it was a car. And so the, uh, England couldn't figure out how he was getting the gold out. That's why they brought in James Bond to get to the bottom of the case. Oh, but so then but then Bond kind of stays around and goes the extra mile. Well, at, when he's at Oryx's uh, gold plant or you know refinery or whatever, up. that's where yeah. he hears about Operation Grand Slam. Oh, okay. And then after Tilly dies... And he gets kidnapped. That's when he's on the laser. And, you know, then he says, I know about Operation Grand Slam. And, um, you know, that's that's when Oryx starts tagging him along at that point. Okay. I just couldn't because MI6 is is usually I guess they, they deal with international issues. But I would have thought this would be more like CIA territory or FBI territory. I guess but, I guess once it gets domestic. to Kentucky, it should. I mean, of course, throughout all these films, you have Felix Leiter, who is the CIA agent who keeps showing up in these movies. I guess that's where the CIA comes in. But because it starts with smuggling gold out of England, that's uh, sort of how Bond gets yeah. involved. 
Now, Felix Leiter first shows up in Dr. No, but right. every time they show him, he's always a different actor, so I'm always... Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, it's until like, he says okay, the name. I guess you're you Felix Leiter this time. Um, <laughs> it's very confusing. It's neat. But, um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would think he's an A-plus villain. Uh, not the ones from Russia with love, the villains there, I would give like a cold, a cold C. Yeah. C or C minus too. And I think there's like your, your, your average, like everyday, like Russian Soviet villains. The blonde guy barely says anything. Yeah. Like he's just uh, mysterious. I would say C minus like a cold C minus to them and their plan. Their plan isn't great. No plan. is just revenge. It's it's very half ass. And and they're, yeah. And they're trying to. They're trying to sexually exploit Bond, which isn't cool. No. Even for Bond, it's not cool. No, leave the dude alone. So, yeah. <laughs> and then Dr. No, I would give a B. I would give a B. I it think it's a B. I don't know about his plan, but I think I liked him as a person, uh, as a villain. I think he he was, he was elegant and, and, and refined in a way I that... I wanted more. He left me wanting not. more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree. I would say his plan for me is like an on-paper B+. Because you're like, oh, jam, screw up the missile tests. Okay, like, cool, that's a bad guy thing. Like, I'm on board with that. Using a nuclear reactor to do it confuses me, and I don't get how that works. Yeah. So I got to downgrade him a little bit for that. Uh, Colby, what are your thoughts on these uh, villains and their plans? Uh, if I'm ranking them in order from best to worst, uh, it's definitely Goldfinger, Dr. No, from Russia with Love People. Yeah. Um, I like Dr. No. I don't know. His, I, I liked cool. his. I liked his weird hands, which they his, don't. His, did like, they explain? Hands. He he said like there was an accident in his like line of work, so some sort of like I don't know science accident, and he lost his hands. Because in the book, I believe his hands were. I don't know why they were taken off, but he had blades for hands in the book. That's and I don't know so if that was cool. Why did they not put that? I don't in know the... if it was too difficult or it was too expensive or it was just too dumb on camera, <laughs> but they replaced them with just regular hands. Was, the book it, apparently it is very different. So, totally should have been the blades. That would have been way more iconic. In the, in the book, there's a fight with a giant squid. Um, Sounds amazing. There's a, a, a tarantula. Like I said, the spider was different. The guano. Uh, the guano mine. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Huh. So anyway, how to read this book. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of them. Uh. Get started. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, so, hey, I think this has mm-hmm. been a, a great review, a great start sure. to the series. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm genuinely, I was very worried because I, I knew a lot of these movies to get through. And if I didn't like the first couple, this was going to be a problem. And There's I really did. I, I, at worst, I thought they were fine. There were none I hated. Mm. Thunderball pushed my patience, but we'll get to that next week. <laughs> but I'm very excited. We will be back next week for our Sean Connery Part 2. We'll be doing, if the folks at home want to get caught up, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and on her med, uh, or, I'm sorry, and Diamonds Are Forever. Um, the next three Sean Connery films, we're going to jump George Lazenby for the moment, and we'll circle back, I promise. Um, we're going <laughs> to do all of them, so just the order will be a little different. Um, but big thanks to Colby. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. What a treat. Was, Always nice to have a new voice. was happy, happy to join. Get, get uh, caught back up on Bond. Yeah, also happy to have an excuse to rewatch some of these. Mm. Yeah, like, that's what we're here for. 
It's it's great that they're all on Netflix right now, too. Yes. Very convenient. Yeah. Um, but it's never, I don't know. It's not one of those things that I'd sit down and be like, you know what I really want to watch right now? Because there's so many like new things that you got to watch to be uh, up on the pop culture. Hey, just just be happy we didn't want ask you to watch any XFL games. Because we could have done <laughs> that. That's hard to watch. I will be down for to watch the return of the XFL. We're gonna go. Matt and I are gonna we're we're gonna get we're tickets. We're gonna go to a game. We're gonna That's try amazing. to get some tickets. Yeah. That's amazing. So we'll, we'll see we'll have the New York, York, New Jersey hitmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. Um so we will be back next week with part two of Sean Connery. Colby will not be here, but we're hoping to have him back when we hit Roger Moore, which will be a lot of fun. Um, our website, of course, up for debate.tv. You should go there. We just did the movie draft last week. If you haven't listened to that, I have to be completely honest. I think that's the best draft episode we've ever done. It was fun. We're getting better. It was entertaining. Well, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't like when I talk through 99% of the episode, but you guys as the players were really engaged. And I think we had a really fun time. We had, we had some fun discussions. The movies are really interesting this summer. Um, so there's mm. a lot. The draft came out really interesting. I won't spoil anything here, but oh, an interesting mix. I don't know who's going to win. So you're definitely going to check out that episode. It's on the website and in the feed, anywhere you get podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, now on Spotify as well. Of course, you can tweet at us at Up for Debate TV and email us up for debate TV at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on James Bond or your thoughts on our thoughts about James Bond. Um, on behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. We will be back next week for another Up for Debate Presents. But until then, I don't have anything quippy. Just I'm I'm not I'm not James <laughs> Bond. I don't have any quips. What's a, what's a good uh, James Bond? Now is not a time to be rescued. Okay, we'll end on says, that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Does he say anything clever at the end of From Russia with Love? Ah, uh, how does that one? Uh, no, that one. They're on the boat. Oh, they're looking at the film. And he like just kind of throws it away, and he like waves or something. I I thought maybe he said something. Along with it. Uh, There's tons of, of great quips we'll get to in later episodes. Oh, sure. Um, one of my favorites is from, I won't give it away yet because it is, it's wonderful. But from uh, The World Is Not Enough. Like he's got a, his little one liner at the end is, is pretty good there. Yeah, I don't have anything more to say, so I'm just going to end it here. So this is it. Yeah, JD Bond. Goodbye. Peter. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.